So are we still rolling? All right. Are y'all ready for the word? Yes. <clears throat> the, um, can I move now? Praise the Lord. Um, in this day and age, you know, and it's no exaggeration to say that we are walking through as a people an unprecedented time. That even those who study history, the, the world has known plagues since sin first entered into the world. Plagues are nothing different. But what's different about this season that we're having to walk through is this, a, this is a media-supported plague. 24-7, uh, nonstop news, built on drama and building things up. And the, the true plague, and I hope everyone that's watching that you hear, the true plague is not the coronavirus. The true plague is fear. Yes. And fear is running people ragged. It's, it's, it's putting them in, in panic mode. And they're not thinking rationally. They're, they're, making, they're making irrational decisions. And so at this time in this season, it's important that we get back to the basics. And at Real Life Church, that's what the Lord had us start last week. We, we ministered a message entitled The Power of the Blood of Jesus. And uh, we need to get back to the basics because it seems that our foundations are too easily shaken, right? When you can't, you can't see a, a line of demarcation between the unbeliever and the believer and the way that they're operating through this, uh, you go back to the, the, the children of Israel in Egypt, there was a very distinct difference between the children of Israel and Egypt. And that's the way it would, it would be for us and it should be for us and it can be for us if we dismiss fear and resist the pull to enter into the panic. Uh, you know, the Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of it. We can be in this season and not of the season, All right? Still operate in peace. So one of the things that I want to teach on today that is basic and it's foundational to the belief of the Christian is that Jesus Christ is the healer of the body. And uh, it's the realization that Jesus is the healer. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think that if, you know, we were to gather in a room, even if, Lord forbid, there were more than three, if Jesus Christ was in that room, how many of you think we'd be afraid of a virus? If Jesus Christ was in that room, I think fear would evaporate. And, you know, the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. And, and so if we realize that if we gather together as saints, we, we're in an amazing assembly. And I think one of the things people have lost sight of in this is the church is not an organization. It's a spiritual house. It's not just a business that we are, we are spiritual. And when we come together, there's a spiritual dynamic that we too easily forget. And one of the greatest dynamics is that when we gather together in his name, he's in the midst. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus Christ is the same healer today that he was then. And in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, the Lord made a declaration about himself. And the declaration he made at that point in time was that he is the healer. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. You know, the Lord has revealed himself throughout time with seven different redemptive names. At different times, different epics, and different seasons, the Lord would reveal something about himself. Now, I learned long ago that when the Lord makes a divine declaration, it's a divine invitation. So I want you to hear what I'm saying right here. Every time the Lord makes a divine declaration, it's a divine invitation to partake of that aspect of his nature. 
the Lord never says something about himself because he needs to hear it, right? When the Lord reveals something about himself, it's so that the people who receive that revelation can have faith to partake of that aspect of his nature. So when he declared himself to be the Lord, our shepherd, that was for the purpose of dissolving fear. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, I have no reason to be afraid, right? When he declared himself to be the Lord, our provider, it, it wasn't because he needed to hear himself say it. It was because the people needed to have faith in order to receive provision, that aspect of his nature. So when the Lord declares, I am the Lord, thy healer, he's not just declaring something into the void, right? People sometimes will brag about themselves because they want to hear themselves say it. But the Lord ain't like a man. He never says anything so he hears himself say it. He says something about himself so that the people who hear it can have the faith to enter into that aspect. So I want to say it again. Every divine declaration is a divine invitation to enter into that, that aspect or receive from that facet of his nature. So when the Lord declared, I am the Lord that healeth thee, what he's saying is I want you to have faith for healing. Amen. Years ago, when I first began to, to read different books on healing and, and began to be under the ministry of Kenneth Hagin uh, and become fascinated with healing, uh, I've, got a, I've got a very analytical mind. I'm, I, I like to deconstruct things, tear things apart just to see how they work. Years ago, when I was a little kid, and I'm going I'm to age myself here, uh, I received a Welcome Back Cotter record player, and, you know. And uh, my uncles, because I was raised by my grandma, my uncles had this big stereo system and they had speakers out here. I had just a little record player. I broke my record player apart. I tore it apart so I could figure out how to have speakers on the outside like they did. And, and that's how I've always been. I would tear, sometimes I, I got to admit, I wasn't always the most successful in getting it back together. Uh, but I've tore bicycles apart, motorcycles apart. I just deconstruct things to see if I can reconstruct them. And I do that with the scripture, too. I break things down so I can understand it. And when it, when, it, when it came to healing, and I want you to hear this because our Father is so good. When it came to healing, I had, a, I had to deconstruct it in my mind, and I had to ask the Lord a question. And the question I asked the Lord is, why do you heal someone knowing they're going to die anyhow? Right? I mean, that seems like a legitimate question, yeah? The, because, you know, everyone who ever received a healing in the process of time, died. And, you know, even Lazarus, you think about Lazarus received the ultimate healing. God raised him from the dead. And, you know, the Bible tells us of the story of Lazarus that he had been in the grave so long and in that climate that he began to stink, which means that his body began to deconstruct. And in order for him to be raised from the dead, the Lord had to reconstitute his body. And that's amazing and that's graceful and that's powerful. But Lazarus had to go through it again. Y'all follow me? Because he was raised from the dead, but he ain't with us today. So that means he, so Lord, why do you heal someone knowing they're going to die? And I remember, I love these encounters with the Lord when you hear his voice so clear, you know it was him. The Lord said, I heal because I love, and I love to heal. That let me know the heart of the Father. And I want you to hear this because as we, as we talk about Jesus the healer, one of the things that we, a hindrance to us receiving our healing is our, our tendency to try to earn it. Right? 
And when it comes to healing, we have this idea that I've got to be holy enough, give enough, pray enough, do enough. And, and I'm going to get into that later on in today's message. But the, our, our tendency to try to earn it turns everything upside down. Because you can't receive by labor that which is offered by grace. You can't. If it's offered by grace, the only way to receive it is by faith, not by labor. And so we need to understand that the Lord heals not in a response to our efforts. The Lord doesn't heal us because we deserve to be healed. The Lord heals because He is love. And every action of His is love in action. So He heals because He loves. Right. We know we understand this in the natural. If, if, if we love our children, we love to do good things for our children. If we love our spouse, we love to do good things for our spouse. So the Lord's willingness to heal is not based upon our efforts. Please hear me when I tell you that it's based upon his love for us, which puts us in the response mode, not the initiator mode. Okay, because we need to understand something about God's love. God's love is always proactive. We are always reactive. Listen to this. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. God is not reactive. He is proactive. Our love is reactive. He always takes the initiative. God so loved the world he gave, not because the world deserved what he gave. His love was proactive. Our response is reactionary. So when we understand that, that he loves to heal and he heals because he loves. If God loves us, then we know healing is ours. Say love. If God loves you, then healing is yours. So healing belongs to us. The first step to receiving our healing is recognizing that it's a divine right. As an object of God's love, healing belongs to you. Is that not good or what? Listen to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. What this is saying is Isaiah is giving a prophetic utterance of that which is to come. Those who looked upon Jesus thought he was being punished for his own misdeeds. What they didn't know is that in the spirit, the sickness of the entire world, of all history including the virus that is running rampant today, was laid upon him. Every disease, every sickness, every influenza that's ever existed, be it bird flu, swine flu, whatever flu, it was all laid upon him. He bore it ahead of time for us. So this season that we're going through, it's already been covered. Going back to what we talked about, it's been covered by the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, what does this verse say he did with our sickness, weaknesses, and distresses? It says he carried them. He, he took them upon himself and carried them. Listen to this. He took them upon himself and carried them as he did our sins. 
If we would learn to see sickness and sin the same as God does, right? Then we could, you know, the Bible says concerning sin that when we have a revelation of righteousness that is strong enough, we can actually reckon ourselves dead to sin. That means when our revelation of righteousness becomes strong enough through the impartation of the word, we can actually walk through a sinful place and not be, af mm -mm. not be afraid of being contaminated. Not be afraid of being infected by sin because why? Because we're dead to sin. Well, we need to understand that if, if, if he carried our sin to such an extent that we can believe that we are dead to sin, that sin no longer has any authority over us, no longer has any part of us, and he carried sin and sickness the same. Then why are we afraid of sickness, but not afraid of sin? Because we've been taught how to resist sin, but for very few of us have been taught how to view sickness. The church often views sickness as inevitable. And we need to understand that that same cross that became the, 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 the demarcation in my life, sin before but no sin after, that same cross became the line of demarcation, sickness before, no sickness after. Because Jesus Christ is the healer of the body. Let me, let me read this to you, this, this next verse out of the Passion Translation. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Is this okay this morning? For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. Is that He made Him to be sin. But I want you, if you go hearken back to Isaiah, at the same time and same place and in the same way that He made Him sin, He also made Him sickness. He made him sickness. Jesus, listen to this, Jesus treated sin and sickness as the same. You remember the time when he told the man to pick up his bed and walk? And they got all... He said, he said what is easier to say? Your sins be forgiven or pick up your bed and walk. So but that you'll know that the Son of Man has authority, he told him to pick up his bed and walk. He treated sin and sickness as the same, and he had authority over both. Mm. So Jesus treated sin and sickness as the same, for the one comes as a result of the other. You know, there was no sickness upon this planet till sin entered in. Sickness is not of God. That's a theological mind blower for some folks right there, because some folks have been taught and believe that God uses sickness to teach them. Can I, and I know those who call real life church home know better than that. But can I talk to the online audience right now? If you've been taught that, you've been taught a lie. Because this right here is what God uses to teach you. God does not use the flu. He does not use a bug. He does not use a virus. He does not use bacteria. God uses his word. His word is the answer for every situation. He sent his word not to infect. He sent his word to heal. 
So God does not use a tool that he doesn't have in his belt. And sickness came as a result of sin. This is the reason why when Christ hung on the cross, it was not just to, hear me when I tell you this, it was not just to redeem us from sin, it was to redeem us from the total curse of the law. And sickness is part of that. So we, you know, the Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we ought to in our living room, right there in your PJs, however you look while you're watching, you ought to say, I'm the redeemed of the Lord, so therefore I ain't afraid. I ain't afraid of no bug. I ain't afraid of no virus. I ain't afraid of the future because I am the redeemed of the Lord. I've been purchased with the blood of Christ. Back to the basics. We ain't afraid of nothing because our God is greater than all. No weapon, no weapon that's formed against the saints can prosper. The, the world, this, this is the perfect opportunity for the church to show there's a distinction between the in Christ and the out of Christ person. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen to this. If he became sin, and we just read the verse that said he did, he became sin, he who knew no sin became sin, so that we who knew no righteousness... You know, the Bible says of those who before Christ, there are none righteous, no, not one. So man, even the holiest of men who kept all the laws of any religion, were not righteous in their nature. But he who knew no sin, became, you ever notice, listen, 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 read the Gospels. Find me one verse that said Jesus took a day off because he was sick. Show me one. One verse where Jesus couldn't make it to the next campaign because he had the flu. Do you know why Jesus was never afflicted with sickness? Because he knew no sin. Sickness can only find an entrance through sin. And he knew no sin, so he became sin, so we who knew no righteousness could become righteous. Now, if that's true, then it is, it, is it not equally true to say he who knew no sickness became sick so that I who knew sickness could be made well. Amen? Jesus Christ is the healer of the body. Now let's go back to Isaiah 53, and I want to read this to you out of the Young's Literal Translation. Is this okay this morning? Isaiah 53 and 10. And Jehovah hath delighted to bruise him. Listen to this. He hath made him sick. That's the literal translation. He made him sick. He dumped upon Jesus every disease and every sickness that would ever, has ever, and has not even yet afflicted man. This is the reason why, if you jump down to Isaiah 52 and verse 14, the Bible says his, vig his visage was marred more than any man. He was deformed. Did you know that Christ became deformed on the cross, which is why he didn't look like a man? Think about this. Think arthritis, cancer, every disease coming upon one person at one time. The Bible says that when he hung there, he, he, his visage, his, his image, who he was, became so deformed he didn't even look like a man. Amen. 
This is the reason why people recoiled in horror. Because they, they'd seen lots of crucifixions. If you were living in Israel, you had seen crucifixions. This was no ordinary crucifixion. Because something was going on. This is the reason why they thought he was being punished by God. Because he had declared himself to be something he wasn't. Now God was proving he wasn't by, by deforming him on the cross. But what they didn't understand was the reason he was being deformed is so that I could be whole. He was taking upon him every sickness that would ever afflict man so that no more sickness would afflict his body. Child of God, you and I are not prone to disease. You and I already have an immunity. Our immunity, this may be simple. Maybe I'm just too foolish to understand the complexities of a disease. But I believe with all of my heart that the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed me from every disease, from every sickness. Just as he redeemed me from sin, he has redeemed me from this. So I have no reason to be afraid. And neither does any other child of God. If you're in Christ, it's time that we start believing and acting as if we are and as if the price has already been paid. This, this right here, this prophecy from Isaiah, it blows my mind. He was so disfigured that he no longer looked like a man. Every disease, and yet he bore them all. He carried every one of them. He received. You remember I told you last week, he couldn't die. He had to surrender his life. Because death had nothing in him. Death could not find a hook in which to latch onto. So he had to surrender him to the cross. And at the cross, he surrendered himself to disease. You know, I don't even know if in an eternity we'll really be able to wrap our minds around this. That the God of heaven becoming a man, becoming diseased. So that you and I could walk free. He who knew no sickness until he was made sick with our diseases. He bore all of that so that we, listen to this, what he bore, we don't need to bear. Thank you, Lord. If he carried it, Cleve, we don't need to. If he carried it, we can divorce ourselves from it. We can, by faith, say no thank you. Mm. The object, the purpose of his sin bearing was to make righteous the ones who believe on him, right? We all know that. Well, the object of his sickness bearing was to make us whole and well. Mm. Listen to this. His sin bearing made righteousness sure to the new creation. We are the very righteousness of God in Christ. His disease bearing made healing sure. I don't understand why we can, we, we don't struggle with him forgiving us of sin, but we struggle with him healing us. We got to transform and renew our minds. He, he, he bore all the diseases to make healing sure for me. Disease, listen to this, disease is not the will of the Father. 
That's another thing we got to understand. We got to make sure that we understand disease is not. Everyone say that with me. Disease is not the will of the Father. There's not one time you'll ever find Jesus encountering someone afflicted with a disease and he told him you got to bear this a little bit longer because God's trying to teach you something. God, Jesus never said that. Religious people will say it all the time. You know, and religious people will always go back to one verse and I'm chasing one of those rabbits. But they'll always go back to Paul praying for the removal of the thorn and they equate the thorn with bad eyes. And, and, and they'll say, he, Paul prayed for healing and God told him no. That's the only verse they have to build their whole doctrine on. And they blow it out of proportion. Because if you read it, one, one thing, Paul never called that messenger disease. He called it an apostle of the enemy. It was a sent one of the enemy. It was a messenger. And nowhere in there does it say God told him no. What God did say is my grace is sufficient for you. How do you make that no? That ain't no. That's saying, Paul, my grace is greater than what you're going through. My grace is greater than the situation. So what you need is my grace because my grace will deliver you. And the amazing thing is, is after Paul received this revelation of God's grace, he never again prayed about his situations. From that point on, Paul was always greater than any environment. See, the, listen, if you pray and God speaks to you about grace, that ain't a no. That's, I'm telling you how to stay out of this for the rest of your life. Because if he were to heal you but not instruct you, you just get sick again. But if he gives you a revelation of grace... That this disease that's trying to take over my life, this disease that's trying to ruin my home, ruin my nation. If I understand that Jesus carried this, then by grace, I don't need to bear it. And the grace of God is greater than this. So disease and sickness is not, has not, and never will be the will of the Father. Psalm 16, verse 11. Listen to this. When you understand that disease, get this, disease is nothing more than broken ease. That's what disease is. Break it down. It's broken ease. You're no longer at peace. Why? Because now you are diseased. It's a broken fellowship with heaven. Disease is pain. Disease is weakness. It's loss of ability to bless and to be a help. There is no joy in disease. Right? And yet listen to Psalm 16 and 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. There's no joy in disease. So if you are in his presence, listen, 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 listen. This is why you can't, and it often does occur, that when Cleve and the worship team are doing their thing, you can get healed during worship. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. And so what that means is in His presence, God strips from you anything that attempts to strip from you your joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. 
God's presence strips away everything that seeks to strip away your peace. And that means there is no disease in His presence. And if there's no disease in His presence, how would He send it? Is this making sense? Listen to this. Disease makes slaves of people. It makes slaves of the people who care for the sick. The loved ones who are up night and day working over the sick ones are robbed of joy and rest. There's no redemptive qualities about disease. Not one. Sickness is not of love. You would never inflict someone you love with a disease. Are y'all listening to me? To say, I mean, I, I just can't even tell you how much my heart recoils to hear someone say that God sends sickness. No healthy whole parent would deliberately poison their baby. That's abuse of the worst type. And yet God gets accused of that all the time. Disease is not of love and God is love. Disease is a robber. It steals health. It steals happiness. It steals money. Hello? We, mm. Disease is an enemy. And I've already said this, but I want to say it again. Jesus never told anyone it was God's will for them to suffer. Not even one. One of the strongest scriptures supporting healing is found in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Listen, are you listening to what I... But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He'll give life... Mortal means death doomed. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life, everyone say life, life. to your mortal bodies. That means to this thing right here, to this flesh, he will flood it with life. He will impart the Zoe life, the God kind of life, into this body. Through his spirit, who dwells in you. Mm, that's, all, that's physical healing. Jesus is the healer of the body. Listen to this. Jesus' attitude towards sickness was an uncompromising warfare. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It's not in my notes, but we all know it. How you know how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. And he went about doing good and healing all, how many? All who were oppressed by who? Ought not this, this woman being a daughter of Abraham, ought she not to have been healed? It's only right. If she's a daughter of Abraham, it's only right that she receives her healing. Well, you and I are children of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. 
He healed all who were sick. No one who ever came to him who did not receive their immediate deliverance. Jesus' attitude towards sin and his attitude towards sickness were identical. He dealt with sickness as he dealt with demons. He ended it. So the question comes, how do we receive our healing? Is this okay? How do we receive our healing? That, that's a great question to be answered today, don't you think? The first step I want to give you is quit trying to earn it. Just quit trying to earn it. One of the greatest revelations, and I, I'm going to have to... One of the greatest revelations that you and I can ever have is our unworthiness. Now, unworthiness and worthlessness are not the same. I did not say a revelation of worthlessness. I said of unworthiness. Because the Bible says there's only one who's worthy. And as long as we have an idea that we can earn it through our worth, you following me? We'll keep trying to earn it. But if we can understand that I'm unworthy of healing in the same way I was unworthy of salvation. I'm not saying a revelation of worthlessness. I'm saying a revelation of unworthiness. If I realize when it comes to my salvation from sin that I'm unworthy, then I don't try to earn my righteousness. I don't try to earn my place in heaven. I, lear I, I, I learn to live victoriously through the one who is worthy. Right? And so I, I, I become the righteousness of God through him. I receive my salvation through him. And the, re the way I receive my salvation is by faith. So if we would understand that sickness is the same thing, I, I quit trying to earn it. Because I'm unworthy of being healed. Because the sins that I've committed gave sickness access. Right? So my sense of unworthiness makes me come to him so I can be healed through the one who is worthy. Yes. One of the greatest things we can do is just quit trying to earn it. Because when we quit trying to earn it, we learn to receive it. There's a lot of very devout, devoted, authentic believers who truly do believe they've got to Sacrifice a bit more. Carry it a little bit longer. Deal with it one more day so that they can prove they're worthy of being healed. Right? The greatest revelation we could receive is my greatest, the, no matter what I could do, no matter if I could give everything I own, if I could give my body to be burnt, if I could do all these things, I, I would still not earn the grace to be healed. I am unworthy of such a blessing of walking in divine health. So now I come to him and I receive it through the only one who is worthy. So the first thing we can do to help us receive our healing is just quit trying to earn it. Don't try to get your healing. God has already given it to you. 
Just like you don't try to believe. You're a believer. Right? Is this making sense to you? Believers don't try to believe. They just do. It's who you are. So you don't try to earn it. You just, you just, you just receive it. Don't talk doubt. It only breeds more doubt. Step number two. Recognize it as a new creation right. Recognize it as a new creation right. I've already alluded to this, but let me read to you Luke chapter 13, verse 16. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years. Who bound her? Make no mistake about that. We need to, get, we, we, we need to have clarity of thought. Healing is of God, sickness is of the devil. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? What Jesus is saying is it's only right. It's fitting, it's proper, because according to the covenant of Abraham, healing is hers. You and I are partakers of an even better covenant. Everyone say, Jesus is my healer. You have a right in Christ to be free from sickness and pain. If pain comes, listen to this. If pain comes, you have the right to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave my body. And it must go. We've all experienced that. I know we've all experienced it. We need to make it a daily reality, not just a 10-year-ago event. Mm-hmm. The pain must go. You're the master of your own body. You rule it. Amen. The Bible says, They that believe shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall what? Recover. Recover. Number three, employ his name. Make full use of the name and the power that's in the name. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. The Bible says, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, listen, I understand there's a lot of people out there that don't believe the Bible. That does, I don't need them to believe. My belief is not dependent upon the majority of people believing. You understand what I'm saying? Never mistake, hear me when I say this to you, RLC, never mistake the will of the majority for the will of God. Amen. I told you a couple of weeks ago, those who walk by faith are always deemed foolish. The Bible says, and it's the greatest authority in our lives, Amen. they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The believer has the nature of God in him. He has the life of God in him. The spirit dwells in him. It's that power that's in him that goes out of him through the laying on of his hands and brings life to the afflicted one. See, in Christ, you and I are not ordinary beings. We are literally supernatural Amen. beings. Yes. 
And we're meant to live as if we were... That's the reason why I love church. It's like, it's like Avengers Assemble. You know what I'm saying? But we, we, we got superheroes that Marvel and DC couldn't touch sitting here. We got prayer warriors who have changed entire generations by their prayer. We've got, we got grandmas that have laid their hands upon the sick and seen them recover. We've got people that have spoken to the afflicted and seen them set free. We're like this great, it's like Justice League of America. I love church. Mm. Number four, the use of oil. Well, let me, as we're going back to the use of oil, when we're talking about the laying on of hands and employing his name, understand that sometimes there are manifestations and sometimes there aren't. But we're not moved by whether they're manifestations or not. Brother Hagin used to say this all the time and it took me years to understand it. Brother Hagin used to say that he would lay his hands, he would say, well, the anointing ain't here and I ain't feeling a thing. But he said he, there are more healings that took place when he felt nothing than there were when he felt something. I want to say that again. When he was operating in the anointing, that's when everyone wanted to get to him. Because there were all the manifestations. But he said that in his ministry, over 40 plus years of ministering, there were more healings that took place when he felt nothing. So see, you and I got to learn to walk by faith not by sensation. We got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And if, if we're the, listen, if we're the ones who are afflicted, why don't we lay hands on ourselves? I mean, if you're the one who's sick, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay, number four, the use of oil. James chapter five, verses 13 through 15, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the... The prayer of faith shall save the, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Once again, you see the right sin and sickness. But the same remedy for sin is the remedy for sickness. The same remedy for sickness is the remedy for sin. That's Christ. Because Jesus is the healer. Another thing Brother Hagin used to say is we're getting ready to bring this to a close. And of course, that means nothing. <clears throat> Brother Hagin used to say that healing is the dinner bell of the church. The greatest advertisement the church has ever had is healing. And we need healing in the house again. We need people to be healed. But in order for people to be healed, the church must become convinced that Jesus Christ is the healer. And have the boldness. To lay hands on the sick without fear. I, years ago when I was ministering in Russia and, and I was encouraging the saints to lay hands upon the sick, my interpreter looked at me and with a look of dread upon her face said, what if I lay my hands on the sick and nothing happens? And I told her, I said, you're asking yourself the wrong question. 
ask yourself this. What if I lay my hands upon the sick and they do recover? You could start a revival. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of times the greatest revivals in American history have started with a single healing. What if you are meant by heaven's design to be the catalyst to start a revival in today's pandemic? But in order to start, we've got to have the boldness. Boldness only comes by conviction. If we're not absolutely convinced that even in this day and time with all the things that are going on, that Jesus Christ is still the healer, then we'll lack the boldness to lay our hands upon the sick. And we got to stop asking, what, what, if I, what if I, Pastor, what if I step out and do that and nothing happens? Well, one, you're just, every great healer that's ever existed has had someone who didn't receive healing. So you know what you do if you lay your hands on the sick and they don't recover? You say next. You just keep going because eventually it's going to connect. Your faith is going to meet their faith and they're going to be healed and it could start a chain reaction. Amen. I love this teaching. Jesus is the healer. You can speak his name. You can find a fellow Christian and agree. You can call for an elder and be anointed with oil. You can have hands laid upon you. But it's not really the method. Hear me when I say this. It's not really the method. You don't need to suffer in silence, right? Because we're practicing social distancing. What if you can't get to an elder? If they've closed all the churches and you can't get to a church, what are we supposed to do? Suffer in silence? No. Because we need to understand it's not the method. Hear me when I tell you this. God has always used words to create wellness. No matter what method was used, the laying out of hands, the speaking of his name, the agreement of the saints, the one commonality in all the methods was this, words. God uses words to create wellness. Psalms 107, verse 20. Is this okay? Can y'all give me a few more moments? I suppose you could disconnect the internet and I'd never know, but hey, I'm just going to pretend y'all are still watching. Psalm 107, verse 20, reading it to you out of the King James Version. He sent His word, he sent his word and healed. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I'm going to say it again. God always uses words to create wellness. And as long as you have access to words, whether they're your words or the words you're hearing, once again, this is the reason why during a worship service, when what is being sung is the word of God, those words carry the potential to bring you healing. You can get healed during the preaching of a sermon. You could get healed sitting in your home right now. Words that are sung... Words that are proclaimed in sermon, words that are spoken in prayer, words that are read in scripture. You know, you can get read, you can get healed just reading your Bible. My, my former pastor told me he got healed reading Second Chronicles. Baka baka begot puta puta. Puta puta begot zarubabuba. You can get healed in that. Because God's word is pregnant with potential. Amen. 
If you'll believe, if you'll connect your faith, you can get healed. Mm. You can listen, you can and will be healed in the midst of worship. You can and be will be healed in the midst of preaching. Whatever the method that is employed is not as important as the words, for it is the word that creates wellness. What we need to do is learn to hear and be healed. And be healed by what we hear. I'm going to say, hear and be healed. One of the, listen, when the word is being preached, our response ought to be, I believe that. Not, I doubt that. If it's the word, I say it every Sunday. I'm trying to hurry here. But if it's written, help me, y'all. Our uncertainty is unnecessary. If it's written, our uncertainty, if it's written, you might not even like the preacher that's preaching it. That's irrelevant. If it's written, our response ought to be, I believe that. I believe I can be healed because it's written. I believe I can be made prosperous because it's written. I believe I can be saved because it's written. I believe my family can be made whole because it's written. I believe salvation can visit my house because it's written. Everyone say, I believe that. He has already healed us. By His stripes ye were healed healed now as we bring this to a close i want to one verse i want to read to you but i want to say this because one of the things when i when i say he's already healed us and we're feeling congestion or pain or the sickness the hear and be healed is the best way to explain it is this i know we're no longer in the age of the radio right we got all kinds of other things but back in the day when we used to actually have a radio and you'd put the radio there on the table in order to hear music coming out of it you would have to turn it on and tune it in everyone say that turn it on and tune it in and when you turned it on and you tuned it in suddenly you started hearing that sweet melody about how papa was a rolling stone and wherever he laid his hat was his home. And when he died, I digress. That song did not start when I tuned it in. That song was always in the environment. You following me? It had been playing the whole time. That sweet melody had filled the air. But I was oblivious to it until I turned it on and tuned it in. Be willing and obedient. Turn it on, tune it in. You and I have got to be willing and obedient. If you were to go back, and I'm not going to for the sake of time, but go back to Exodus 15... Before the Lord said, I am the Lord, your healer, 
He said, if you will hearken to my voice, if you'll be diligent to do what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it, and you'll believe what I tell you, I will put none of these diseases upon you that I put upon the Egyptians, but you got to turn it on and tune it in. You've got to hear what I'm telling you and obey what I'm telling you, and then I will prove to you that I am the Lord thy healer. But healing is always there because anywhere he is, healing is. You and I have got to turn it on by saying, I believe that. And then tune it in by saying, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I'm going to be willing and I'm going to be obedient. And when I'm willing and I'm obedient, I've turned it on and I've tuned it in. Suddenly the healing that was always there becomes mine. But he didn't send healing in a response to what I did. You, you, you getting the point? You getting the point? Healing was always there. It could have been mine yesterday. It could have been mine the week before. I didn't have to suffer with this thing for two months. I could have got my healing back then. Because healing became mine when he hung on that cross. All I've got to do is hear... Be obedient. Mm. And healing becomes mine. It's in the air. If God is the healer, tell me where he isn't. Remember, David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I run over that away, you're there. Everywhere I go, I encounter you because you're everywhere. If he's everywhere, where do you need to go to get your healing? Wherever you're at. Because that's where he... Mm -mm. I didn't know I could get happy online. I didn't know I could bless myself online. Wherever he is, whenever he is, and he's everywhere and he's all the time. Healing is mine anywhere, anytime, because he's there all the time. James chapter 1, verse 6. Become absolutely convinced. Don't be like one who wavers. You believe today and you don't believe tomorrow. You believe until you cough. When did your cough become greater than God? And isn't it crazy how you can sneeze in the midst of pollen season and the first thing your mind tells you is, that's it. That's it. You got it. I ain't got nothing but grace and power and the love of God. So we got to quit being wavering and having two mindsets, a godly mindset and a worldly mindset. Listen to this out of James chapter 1, verse 6. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. How much doubting is allowed? You know, I've actually heard preachers say a little doubt is good for you. <laughs> That's cray-cray. Because in the Bible it says, without any doubting, God deserves to be believed. Without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man, and this is where it gets tight, for that man, the one who's double-minded, the one who believes one day and doesn't believe the next. Listen to what James said. 
by the Holy Spirit, mind you, for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. But when you and I become convinced, completely convinced, that there is no evidence the nightly news can present to us that is going to change our opinion. Jesus Christ is the healer of my body. He's the healer in my home. And I'm going to give him praise. And I'm going to give him worship. And I'm going to give him credit. Believing is nothing more than acting on the word. Faith always results in action. But there can be no healing. Listen to this. There can be no healing, no deliverance, and no victory until we act on the Word. Jesus is the healer. Right now, today, talking across these airwaves or cable waves or whatever waves they are, I hope that you've heard what I've said today. And I know some of you, it may have rubbed you raw, but that's okay. I want you to hear this one unending, undying truth. As long as God exists, He is a healer. Because He changeth not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in just a moment, we're going to be praying. First, we're going to pray two prayers as we bring today's service to a close. We're going to pray for our leaders, national and local, that they will make decisions based upon righteousness and in wisdom. And then we're also going to pray for the healing and the salvation of your home. So we'll be right back. Cleve, I need you to join me at this point. <clears throat> Was that okay, y'all? I, I appreciate y'all being here. <laughs> well, you know, here's the cool thing. While we're, while we're paused right here, we're really beefing up the, uh, uh, the, the one thing we're taking advantage of during this time is, of course, Next week, we'll be getting all the new lights in, and uh, we're working on the cameras, and uh, Andrew and, and Sister Fowler and Nina were here till what, like 10 o'clock that one night, getting, yeah, trying to, so we're working on beefing it up, but another thing that I've discovered is a lot of things we can do on our online platform, our website, and one of the things is, is the ability to, uh, uh, and just so you know, after something airs, all of our sermon, my ser complete sermon notes, because I already have them as PDFs. All I've got to do is link them to, so if you go to our website and you go to the sermons, you can download the entire, you can download my notes. Wow. Yeah. So you'll have access to those all the time. So we're really, one of the things I see is not, not be the, uh, I told a pastor who contacted me uh, earlier this week and he asked how we were doing. I said, we're doing great. I said, the, uh, the one thing that, you know, all of these things were in the works. Um, I mean, we bought the lights a couple months ago and just got the cameras several weeks ago. Uh, so all these things were in the works. Um, but this just made them top of list, you know. So, um, <clears throat> Nina, two things that I want to do in Destiny. Um, the, I'm going to make a PSA yet. Y'all ain't leaving. Don't be, you're not done. Uh, we're going to pray.